well. It's good to have every one of you in the house of the Lord. And I encourage you to keep our pastor in your prayers. Amen. He is, I don't know if you can hear, you know, sometimes we can't always hear or make out what he's trying to say to us on the video. But uh, he was trying to let us know that he is right now preaching a conference to about 300 pastors there in the Philippines. And they don't have enough space for everybody to meet, so they get the pastors together. And uh, they preach to the pastors, and they tell the pastors to go home and preach what they've heard. And so pastor is uh, with a great team, and I know that God's going to do great things to them. But please keep them in prayer. He's already been through their morning service this morning, and they had 13 people receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So we rejoice in that. Amen. And we're excited to hear what else God is going to do. Amen. Well, I want to turn your attention to Acts chapter 28. And we'll read verse 1. I give honor to our pastor and to our bishop. Amen. Great men of God, my father. Amen. Our wonderful leadership here in our church. Amen. We are truly blessed. We are truly blessed. On Wednesday, pastor read this portion of scripture, and God had already given me this message, and I was afraid he was going to preach it, because he can do it better than me any day. And, uh, but he didn't say everything, so I'm going to stick with what I feel God has given to me. We already had a great service this morning. I know God's about to do great things. Acts 28 and verse 1. This is Paul. Now they've been shipwrecked. And Paul is a prisoner now. He's on his way to stand before Caesar and to plead his case. And they're in a shipwreck. And the Bible says when they were escaped, they then knew that the island that they came on was called Melita. And the barbarous people, the people that were there on the island, they showed us no little kindness. It's a double negative, meaning they were very kind to us. They kindled a fire. They received us, everyone, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, they became a viper out of the fire, out of the heat, and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said amongst themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer. He was a prisoner, and they were, he was on trial, and they said, no doubt he really is a murderer. Whom though he had escaped the sea, they said, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. They expected him to die, but the Bible says in verse number 5, Paul shook off the beast into the fire, and he felt no harm. He shook off the beast into the fire, and he felt no harm. Now, over this summer, we have been going through what we've been calling summer fire. And we have been sacrificing, and we've been building an altar, and we have seen the fire of God in our services, and we've just had an amazing time this summer. And I believe it's all going to culminate today in that God wants us to shake some things into the fire. So I want to talk to you guys on this subject this morning, shake it off into the fire. Shake it off into the fire. I don't know what you came into this house with. I don't know what you came in here bound by or carrying or weighed down by. But I believe by the time you leave this place, the power of God will come in this place. And we will be able to shake off whatever's holding us back into the fire. Why don't you lift your hands and why don't you just ask God to move, get your faith out. And let's just ask God to do a great work in this place. God, we come before you, God. We ask that you would send your fire, God, that you would do the work like only you can do. God, you see every situation in this place. God, you know everything that these people are facing, your people, God. And we cry out to you today, God. We ask that you would just do a marvelous work 
in our midst. We know that you will, and we give you praise and thanks in advance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you tell your neighbor, shake it off into the fire. Amen. You may be seated. Our text is talking about Paul and uh, the great apostle that Paul was. Paul, he wrote over half of the New Testament that we have in our Bibles. And Paul was a great man of God. And, and uh, the book of Acts, really, it's, this is the culmination, Acts chapter 28. This is the culmination of the chapter of the book of Acts. And uh, this, is, this is where we see, you know, things come together. But the last few chapters in the book of Acts really are all about Paul and him standing on trial before leaders. And it goes into detail, multiple chapters about him being imprisoned and then let go or him being imprisoned and taken to a different place. And he ends up standing before multiple leaders. He stands before Felix and Augustus and, and he, he stands before Agrippa and all these people. And finally they say, you know what, we can't determine anything. And Paul says, well, I want to go to Caesar. And so they send him to Caesar. But his journey to go see Caesar takes a long time and life really comes at him. And uh, you see Paul, he, he always seemed to be suffering different things. I mean, my goodness, just in this 27 and 28, they, they're on this, this journey and they, they get into this storm and, and all these things begin to happen. And Saul begins to suffer so much persecution. So many people tried to come against him. He's experienced shipwrecks and all these different things that Paul began to come. And I mean, since Acts 21, you see that people literally are trying to destroy him. But there was something about Paul that through it all, he was always, it seemed like, able to shake off whatever was thrown his direction. He was able to just continue going. He was able to persevere no matter the situation, no matter what came his way. And, and I believe that it is God's desire for us to have that same tenacity, that same attitude upon us. That no matter what may be thrown our way, we're going to shake it off and we're going to continue to live for God. We're going to continue to do what God has called us to do. It doesn't matter what may come our way and who may come against us. We are able to shake it off into the fire. This you see in Paul, and he, he was never distracted from his purpose, it seemed like. It seemed like the more he faced, the more determined he became. And I believe this is what God is looking for us to do. And Paul, he actually, he begins to list some of the things. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Verse 24, he, it's in the middle of him listing a whole bunch of things that, that he began to do. And he, he starts, he said, of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, saved one. Meaning that he was whipped 195 times. He was whipped for his testimony. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered a shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Verse 26 says, In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. He's just starting to list everything he's gone through. Verse 27, And weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings often and cold 
and nakedness. He begins to list all of these things. And then if you go on to verse 28, he says, I'm not even talking about the stuff that I deal with in the church. He says, this is just the stuff I deal with at home. He's like, it's not even, it's not even to mention stuff I deal with in the church. And Paul just begins to list all of these things and all the things that, that come against him. And you begin to look at that and you begin to say, wow, you know, I've never had a bad day before. I thought I did. But I never really have a, had a bad day when it comes to Paul. And Paul went through all of it and, and, and Paul learned that he could shake it off. And we find just 15 verses later in your Bible. Just 15 verses in chapter 12 and verse 10. He says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. He said, I take pleasure in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. He said, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Paul, he began to say, I've, I've learned that even when stuff comes my way, that I can take pleasure in them. And it doesn't really make sense when we think about it like that, but, but Paul, he begins to lay out this case, and, and he, he has this different view on when we face stuff, that it just means that we're really in the will of God. And that's one thing that you'll find, the closer you get to the fire, the closer you get to the will of God, it seems like the more the devil or the enemy will try to stop you and come against you. And so the more you face trials in your life, really your spirit is happy because you know that that means you're on the right track, that, that there's something that he's trying to stop in your life, that there's a destiny that God has for you that he's trying to put it into. He's trying to distract you from it. And Paul learned this. He said, man, I've learned that, 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 that whatever state I'm in, to be content. He said, no matter where I am, I've learned to be content, and I've learned to, to be happy. And one time he tells, uh, he tells Augustus and, and uh, Felix, he said, he said, I think myself happy. He said, sometimes I just think myself happy. And this is the determination that he got inside of him to say, you know what, I'm going to, no matter what situation comes, I'm going to shake it off into the fire. And this is what Paul has. So take pleasure in your trials. I know your flesh will not feel like taking pleasure, and it will not be pleasurable in your flesh. But whenever you come against trials, be, be encouraged in your spirit that you're on the right track. Because Paul, for all of his great exploits, that means he, he faced great trials. And we know that when we face great trials, that means that we have great things ahead of us. Because the devil will not try to stop something that's dormant. The devil will try to stop something that he knows is a threat. And so we need to shake it off into the fire. I want to talk to you about three things I believe you can learn from this story that I, I think we've got to shake off and that we've got to, we've got to recognize. And the first thing and point number one is do not fear the storm. Do not fear the storm. And this is what you see in Acts chapter 27 and and uh, Acts chapter 27 you can go read through the storm that they ended up facing and but Acts chapter 7 and verse 14 the Bible says but not long after there arose a, to, a, a tempestuous wind called the Euroclidon they even named the storm man it doesn't even sound good does it Euroclidon this big storm came up and the Bible says the ship was caught in this storm and it could not bear up the wind and the Bible says so we let her drive we just let her drive 
We just had to take our hands off the sails and we just had to let it go wherever it was going to go. We couldn't control it. The winds got so rough and the waves got so rough. And, and you know, sometimes this is how our life is. Sometimes we get into storms and it seems like the storms are so rough we cannot control anything anymore. And it seems like no matter how hard we try to go in one direction, the, the wind and everything just takes us in another direction. And, and, uh, and I love what this verse says. It says, we just had to let her drive. Sometimes you just got to take your hands off the steering wheel and say, you know what, God, I'm just going to leave it in your hands. I'm going to give my, I'm going to give control over to this situation over to you. And we've got to stop fearing about the storm and just say, you know what, God, I give it all over to you. Verse 18 goes on to say, and we'd be exceedingly tossed with a tempest. The next day they lighted the ship. They began to cast stuff off the ship to make it lighter. The third day they cast out with their own hands the tackling of the ship. They started throwing important stuff off the ship. And then verse 20 says, when the sun nor the stars in many days appeared. You talk about a storm. You couldn't see the sun or the stars. It was just pitch black for many days. There was no small tempest that lay on us. It was constant beating and beating and beating upon the ship. And it says all hope that we should be saved was taken away. You ever felt like that before? Like, man, I don't know how, but all hope seems to be lost. I don't know how I'm going to make it through, but I know that, you know, it, it doesn't look good. I haven't seen the sun. I haven't felt God in a long time. Uh, it seems like my prayers aren't reaching heaven. And you begin to feel this, this pressure, and it feels like all hope is being lost. And you get to this place, and, and you feel like all oh, hope has been taken away, and you just begin to sink. And, and you go through this storm, and, and you begin to fear this storm. And, but thank God for a man of God in our life. Man, when you go through a storm, you need to drag yourself to the house of God every single day because you need the man of God to speak into your life. And, and here's what happens just two verses later. Paul, he stands up and he says, now I exhort you in verse 22, be of good cheer. Man, we haven't seen the sun for days. We haven't seen anything. He said, but in verse 22, be of good cheer for there shall be no more loss of any man's life among you. He said, you're not going to lose a life. He said, we're going to lose the ship, but nobody's going to lose their life. He said, for there stood by me this night, the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. He said, fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. Recognize that there was a, still a purpose for Paul's life. And as long as there's still a purpose for your life, it doesn't matter what comes against you. The enemy can only try to scare you away from your purpose. If God still has a plan for your life, guess what? There's nothing the enemy's going to be able to do. There's not a storm big enough that's going to be able to stop you because God still has a plan and God still has a destiny. And you can stand up and you can be bold. And in the midst of your storm, you can say, be of good cheer. Do not be afraid. He said, God has given you victory. He said, all that's with you, he said, he's given them to you. And he said, this is what he said in verse 25, wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. 
in the midst of your storm, that's the thing you've got to anchor yourself to more than anything. You've got to plant your feet and you've got to say, I believe God. You've got to stop looking at your storm and start looking at God and say, God, I believe in you. And you've got to say, you know what? It's going to be done. Even as I was told to me, it will be. It'll happen just like it was told me. And you go through that storm and you say, God, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust in you. You've got to get your, you got to turn your attention to God. You know, there's another storm in the Bible that we read about where some people were on a boat, and it was the disciples and Jesus that were on a boat, and they were making their way, they were making their way across, and the Bible says a huge storm came up. And the Bible says, I mean, it began to beat on the ship, and the Bible says that the boat was full of water. It was a bad storm, and, and you know, Jesus, he's asleep on the bottom of the boat. Sometimes we look at that, and sometimes that's how we feel, right? We're like, man, God is just sleeping through the biggest storm of my life. And we, we get there, and we, we're like, all right, Jesus, you need to wake up. Come on, I need you right now. I need you right now. Come on. And they went down to Jesus, and they said, don't you care that we perish? And the Bible says Jesus woke up and he went out and he stood and he looked at the storm, he looked at the wind and looked at the waves and he just said, peace be still. And everything just went away. And the disciples, they hung, you know, I'm sure their jaw hit the floor. And the Bible says they were all amazed and, and, and they said, here's, here's what we got to understand. What manner of man is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? They began to fear not the storm, they began to fear God. They began to look at how big their God was. And this is something you've got to do in the midst of your storm. You've got to shake off your storm and you got to look back to God. You've got to get your feet planted and say, I, God, I believe you. And they began to look at who Jesus really was. They said, this is more than just a man that we're seeing in front of us. But this is somebody that even the wind and the seas obey. And as long as you have Jesus Christ on your boat, as long as you keep Jesus Christ in the center of your storm, let let me tell you, you don't have to fear the storm. You don't have to fear it. Why? Because God is not finished with you yet. Don't fear the storm. You know, we went to Haiti, and, and uh, we, our pastor told the story. If you didn't hear it, we went to Haiti, and after our first service, we had a great move of God, but after our first service, driving back to our hotel late at night, we came into these roadblocks, and and we ended up getting into a, a shootout with some people that were trying to rob us. And we had one guy with a gun, and we don't know how many other people were there. And, and uh, this story just reminded me, I was talking to Riley about it, because Riley was there with us, and Riley slept through the whole thing. He was like Jesus on the bottom of the, you know, on the bottom of the boat. In the middle of the night, you know, he just had great faith, man. He was just living in the peace of God. We're all up there like... We're on the floor asking God, you know, God intervene. Don't you care? We're about to die. You know, we're taking bullets, you know, and we're up here. And, and you know what? I got to thinking, looking on the backside of it, you know, that there was nothing that could have happened to us at that moment. Because looking back at it now, we still had more services to do. 
and there was still at least 250 people that were going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. There was still 200 more miracles that were going to be claimed in our next services. And so it didn't matter what would come against us, there would be nothing that was going to be able to stop us. God was going to protect us no matter what came our way. Why? Because we still had a plan and a purpose, and we still had a destiny to fulfill. And let me say this to somebody today in the Holy Ghost. You may be in the middle of the biggest storm in your life, but I challenge you to shake it off today and stand to your feet and say, I believe in God. I'm going to stand for God. I'm going to depend on God. No matter what storm may come my way, I'm going to trust in Him, and you will see that God still has a plan for your life. There's no storm that can stop you when God's on your side. Anything could have came against us at that time. Anything can come against you in your home, in your family, in your life. And as long as you stay with God, as long as you, you keep God first, there will be nothing that can destroy you. It can destroy the ship. But it cannot destroy you. It cannot destroy your destiny. And that's what Paul, Paul learned this. Paul, he went through so many different times. He, he was in a shipwreck three times. My goodness. I'd stop getting on ships. I'd be like, let's just walk. You know? I mean, my goodness. One, one shipwreck would be enough for me. But man, he lived with this tenacity. You know what? If God's on your side, it doesn't matter what happened. You know, some people are like, would you ever go back to Haiti? Absolutely. Absolutely, because there's nothing that can stand against us if God's on our side. We don't need to throw caution to the wind, but we don't need to be afraid of anything that the enemy or the world tries to throw at us because God is on our side. Do not fear the storm. That's why Paul could stand up in the middle of it and said, be happy, everybody. Be happy. I mean, he looked, he looked at that boat, and that was not a small boat. The Bible says that there was 276 people on the boat. And one guy stands up there and says, be happy. The ship's going to go down, but you're all going to be saved. <laughs> and Paul was able to shake off even the bleakest of circumstances because he learned it doesn't matter what storm may come your way. The next thing I believe you got to shake off is you got to shake off and say, I'm not going to fear the sidelines. I'm not going to fear the sidelines. And what I mean by that is the voices that are on the sidelines in your life. You cannot fear those voices. You cannot listen to those voices a lot of times. The, the voices in your life. You see, when Paul got bit by that snake, the people on the sidelines, they began to look at him and they just pretty much said, all right, we've seen this before. Let's just sit back and watch. He thought he got away, but you know what? He's, he got what was coming to him. He's really a murderer. And they just sat back and watched him go on to read. They said, we're just waiting for him to swell up and die. We've seen it a lot. If somebody gets bit by that snake, they're going to swell up and die. And they just began to talk about him. And all throughout Paul, all throughout Paul's ministry, I'm sure, I mean, Paul, if you don't know, he was originally Saul, and he was persecuting the church. He was putting Christians in jail before God converted him and before God found him. And, and, uh, and I'm sure there was times when Paul went to preach and there were people like, man, I'm not going to trust that guy. 
That guy's somebody who puts Christians in prison. I'm sure he lived with sideline voices his entire life of people saying, you know what, we cannot trust you. I remember who you used to be. I remember who you used to, what you used to do. And, and, and they, they looked at him and looked at him. But you know what, Paul learned that he cannot listen to the sideline voices. The voice that he needs to listen to is God. And so he learned to tune his ear towards God and to, and to push out all of the doubt that was coming from other people. And he learned to, to say, you know what, God, I'm going to focus on you. And, and that's what he began to do. He began to follow after the word of God. And no, it didn't matter what they called him. And can I tell you today, you may have been called something by somebody. It may have been your parents or it may be even yourself. You're telling yourself you're bringing up your past, what you used to be and who you used to be. But Bishop, you read that scripture this morning that says that you were that such were some of you but now you're washed you're sanctified and you're justified in God that's who we used to be and you've got to turn off all the voices of this world who try to remind you of who you used to be or try to point out all the flaws in your life and you've got to stand and say all right God I know what they say that I am but who do you say that I am because the only thing that matters is how God sees you Come on, I feel the preacher. The only thing that matters is how God sees you. You need to shake off all the insecurities that you're carrying around. You need to shake off all the fear that's been holding you back. And you need to say, God, I believe in you. I trust in you. I'm not going to fear the sideline voices. You just stay strong and just stay determined. That's what you got to do. You can't. You can't be determined. You, gotta, you, you, you can't be deterred. You got to stay determined. In Romans, Paul, he tells us, he culminates some things in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. He says this, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. It doesn't say we know that all things work together to them that are popular, to them that have a cheering section. It doesn't say that to them that have been told that this is what it's going to be like. But no, he says all things work together for the good to them that love God and those who are called according to his purpose. And you've got to get that determination that says, you know what, as long as I stay with God, as long as I trust in God, God's going to work it all out for my good. Don't give up on God. Don't listen to other people. You just keep walking with God. God's going to work it all out for your good. You don't see how that shipwreck's going to benefit you yet, but you just keep walking with God. Paul didn't understand it yet, but they were going to be there three months. They were going to be there three months and have a great revival on the island of Melita. He didn't know that, but that was the reason of the shipwreck, I'm sure. God used him to do great miracles and mighty works in the midst of that storm, but he just kept his faith. And he said, it doesn't matter what they say about me. I'm just going to shake it off. He didn't say, you know what? Maybe I am a murderer. Maybe they're right. Man, maybe... Maybe that snake was from God, and man, God's judging me right now. Man, I ought to just sit here and die. That's what the devil wants us to do. That's what the enemy's trying to get us to do. We've got to shake it off. We got to be like Paul. We got to get closer to the fire. We got to, we got to help build the fire and shake off whatever is on us. And I, I admire Paul. Because I'm sure he's faced the most ridicule of anybody, not just outside of the church, but probably even inside of the church. 
because of his past. And I mean, Paul, he continued and he persevered. And you see that all throughout time. You cannot be, you know, you cannot listen to the voices. You know, David, he, he faced the same thing when he was going to go face Goliath. Everybody told him, who are you? How are you going to do this? And you're just a young boy. You need to go back home. And, and his brothers begin to talk to him and tell him that. And David, he faced a lot of these sideline voices. And if you read Psalms chapter 3, if you read Psalms chapter 3 and verse 1, this is a psalm with, that David wrote whenever his son was trying to kill him his son. He said, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. People were telling David. Now we see David as this great figure in the Bible, but there were many people rising up and saying, there is no help for him. There's no help for him in God. He said, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I laid me down and slept, and I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. He got his sustaining power from the Lord. Go back to that fifth verse. He said, the Lord sustained me. Don't allow other people to sustain you. Don't build your confidence on other people. Build your confidence on God. Let God sustain your life. Your life is not validated by your job, how much money that you make. Your job is not, or your life is not validated by how many likes you get on Facebook or social media or anything like that. Your life is validated by God and by God alone. So it doesn't matter what other people may say about you. You need to shake it off and say, all right, God, what do you say about me? I'm going to be sustained on God. I felt to say this in the early service, and I feel to say it again. It, it breaks my heart to see how many people walk away from God because of other people. Not because of God. It breaks my heart. I've had good friends that I've grown up with in the church that have had callings on their life. But they get crossed up with a brother or sister in the church. Just like David did, he was crossed up with family. Paul, when he was listening to all of his things, he's like, I'm not even talking about all the trouble I have in the church. That's just all the stuff I face at home. And I've seen so many people, they get crossed up, they get mad at somebody for something, or they get mad because somebody said something, or somebody didn't shake their hand, or, you know, somebody, you know, they, they, whatever, whatever, whatever. Somebody sat in their spot. Let me tell you something. You don't need to let your relationship with God be based upon somebody else. Your relationship with God should be based upon God. Let God control the situation. Let God take care of it. Let God take care of it. Come on, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm preaching to somebody right now. You need to let go of the bitterness that has you bound because it's going to destroy you. And you need to say, God, I give it all to you. Give it all to God. Don't let anything hold you back. Don't let anything keep you back from God. There's nothing that's worth your soul. None of it's worth your soul. Everything, you need to be sustained on God. 
My goodness, if we listen to people on the sidelines, if people in our Bible listen to people in the sidelines, there would be no heroes of faith. Because you're always going to have a naysayer. You're always going to have somebody that says, remember who you used to be. But you've got to keep looking and say, God, I'm going to who you told me I am. I'm going to be who you say I am. I don't care who I used to be. I put it under the blood. And I'm going to say, God, you take me. I'm going to be sustained in you. Man, I can't let this go. This is for somebody right now. This is for somebody. Don't let, don't let other people control your situation. Don't let other people control your relationship with God. My God, come to church for God. Serve God for God. Fall in love with God. I know it's easy to fall in love with this great church, and we have a great church. And I know, yeah, there's maybe some people that may rub you the wrong way. Guess what? We're sinners. There is no perfect church. You go look for the perfect church your whole life, you ain't never going to find it. If you think you found a perfect church, it's a fake church. It's a fake church. You're going to have to shake some things off. And you're just going to have to say, God, I'm just going to trust in you. You're going to make it all right. God will make it right. He always will. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God will take control of the situation. We got to give up control and say, you know what? I'm not going to let somebody else control my relationship with God. I'm going to let God control my relationship with Him. Don't base your relationship with God on somebody else. If your husband decides he's not going to live for God, you still live for God. If your parents decide they're not going to live for God, you still live for God. If your wife decides she's not going to live for God, you still stand for righteousness. You don't let your relationship with God be tied to anything else but God. Stand firm. God will see you through. God will see you through. Live to please God, not man. That's what Paul said many times. He said, I speak not as pleasing men, but pleasing God, because he tries my heart. He tries my heart. The last thing is you can't fear the serpent. You can't fear that serpent. You can't fear that snake. You can't, you can't fear that old serpent, the devil. And let me just say this. We give the devil too much credit. We give him way too much power. We make him bigger than he is. And we've got to learn we can just shake off the enemy. You know, Paul, he learned this. And, and Paul, even when he was testifying in Acts chapter 26, Paul, he said this. He said, well, he was telling his testimony to some of the leaders that were questioning him. He always shared his testimony. This is what he said. He said, uh, who art thou, Lord? He said, I'm Jesus whom you persecute, you know. And then this is what he said whenever he, he said, this is what happened to me when I was knocked off my high horse and Jesus told me to start following after him. When he got knocked down, he got blinded. He said, this is what Jesus told me. Rise and stand upon thy feet for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. He said, I have a purpose for you. I have a destiny for you to make thee a minister and a witness. To make thee a minister and a witness. 
He said, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send you. I'm now going to send you unto the Gentiles. If we go to the next verse. And he was. He was the apostle to the, next, to, to the Gentiles. And he says, to, this is what you're going to do. And this is what I believe in the Holy Ghost God is wanting us to do today. To open up their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto the power of God. Man, if, you, if all you do is take in, you know, the bad news that's on television, guess what? You'll feel like that there is no hope because all you're looking at is darkness. But what God's wanting us to do is God's wanting us to get our attention. And God's telling Paul, he said, Paul, your job in life is going to go to people and tell them, don't look at the darkness, look at the light. Don't look at the power of Satan. The power of Satan will look big if you only look at the power of Satan. But when you compare it to the power of our God, there is absolutely no comparison. There is not even a challenge between Satan and our God. There is not even a battle between Satan and our God. He said, I want you to take their attention and turn their eyes. This is what happened to David. This is why David, as a little boy, he could come onto that battlefield and he could, he could step before Goliath. The armies of Israel, the best warriors of Israel, all cowered and hid. Eighty times Goliath challenged them. But David, he stepped on the scene. I can imagine him just coming from worshiping God, just coming from magnifying God. He had a, he had a prayer life. He, just, he constantly looked at God and how great God was. And so when this giant stepped on the scene, he didn't see how big the giant was. He just said, who is this guy coming against my people? Who's this guy coming again? And he, the Bible says that David, he, he put away all the naysayers. Said, you can't do this, you can't do this. And David said, no, no, I'm going to go fight the enemy. And David went and he said, you come to me with a sword and a spear. He said, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. He understood, I can't do this by myself. I'm not going to be able to defeat the giant by myself. So I'm coming in the name of the Lord. And David learned that there's this tipping scale there that if I trust in the power of God, it doesn't matter how big the enemy may seem in my life. I, as a little boy, can stand before giants and I can say, in the name of the Lord, I come before you in the name of the Lord. Don't worry about the enemy. Don't fear what the enemy can do to you. Do not fear what the enemy can do to you. The enemy has been put under our feet. If you go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1, the first time we see the serpent, the devil, is in the Garden of Eden, right? We know Eve and Adam and Eve there. And, and uh, this is what the Bible says, that now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. It doesn't say he's more powerful. He's just more subtle. He's just more sneaky. He just knows how to present it well. He, he's more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And the next thing you see in this first thing that you see about the serpent is that he's a created being. He is not the creator. Because there's only one creator. And the devil wants to make this up like he's right up there with God. And, and sometimes if we're, if we're listening to the world and if we don't get our, 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 our source of strength from God or from the word of God, we can begin to believe this, 
this lie. But let me tell you something. The devil is just a created being. He's just another one of the angels. And Bishop, if I'm not wrong, at the end of time, the Bible says that just one angel is going to go grab the devil. And he's going to cast him into that bottomless pit. It's just going to take one angel. It's not going to take the armies. It doesn't even say who it is. It doesn't even say that, you know, Michael, the archangel, you know, the powerful angel, Michael. It just says God's just going to send an angel to go get the Satan and just bind him in the bottomless pit. Because the devil is no greater than any other angel that God has. And let me tell you something. The Bible says that for every one of the, of the demons and the devils that we face, there's two angels that, that are God's angels that are fighting for us. We have more that are for us than that are against us. And you've got to understand, you can't, do not fear the enemy. Shake off the enemy and say, you know what, God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to serve you. If you go on and, you know, we know that, that Eve, she, she took of the fruit and she ate it and they sinned and sin came into the world. We know all of this. And God begins to hand out the judgments now for sin. The first judgment that was handed out was in verse 14 when he talked to the serpent. And he said to the serpent, he said, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field, upon thy belly thou shalt go, and the dust thou shalt eat all the days of thy life. Next verse. It says, and I will put enmity. This is a powerful verse in your Bible, folks. He said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is what this verse is saying. This verse is saying, you know what? You may be able to bite the heel of the woman and the woman's seed, but there's coming a day whenever the seed of the woman is going to be able to crush your head. This was the first promise of the Messiah that we're given in the Bible. This is Jesus Christ, that a seed of a woman will come in and that it will crush the head of the enemy. That there will be this, yes, there may be a bite and Jesus died on the cross and it looked like it was a defeat and it looked like it was, it was a bleak situation, you know, and, but, but Jesus Christ, the Bible says that he went down and he went into the depths and he took the keys to death hell and the grave and he smashed the head of the enemy that's why now when you say in the name of jesus that's why you that's how we have the same power that can crush the enemy you don't have to fear the enemy anymore if you believe in god you can say in the name of jesus and that name is the is the crushing name that the enemy can do nothing against and that power has been given unto you jesus said go everywhere in my name go everywhere use my name and if we do that let me tell you there's nothing that can stop us there's nothing that can stand against us it shall bruise thy head but thou shalt bruise his heel he may be able to bite you on the heel but you're able to shake it off and destroy the works of the enemy in your life don't get distracted by the bite just like Paul Paul did not get distracted by the bite he just shook it off he just shook it off. You've got to come to this, this place in God. You've got, to, you've got to wake up on who you really are in God. You have power and authority in God. When God fills you with the Holy Ghost, when you believe in God, when, when you have the name of Jesus in your mouth, you are the most powerful person on the planet. Why? Because it's the power of Jesus Christ that is inside of you. And this is what God has given to us.
I wonder if you could put that picture up there of that truck. Brother Bernard, would you stand? This is Brother Bernard. Many of you know him. He's an usher. Brother Bernard, there's some crazy things that have been happening this summer. This is, this is just a few things that I'll talk about, but this was his truck. This happened to him on 95. He was going down and he, he, uh, he blacked out and the next thing he knows, he woke up and man, he's still here in one piece whole today. They don't know what happened. They don't know how all that happened. They don't know what happened. I mean, but God just kept him through it all. God kept him through it all. It doesn't matter what you may face. There's a lady in our church, Sandra Stiles. I don't know if she's here today. If you're here, just raise your hand. Sandra Stiles, there she is. There's Sandra Stiles. She was in a car accident just a few weeks ago, going down 95. Somebody clipped her. There's a little picture of it. You see it on the side there. Somebody clipped her and she flipped. I believe it was seven times she flipped and ended up on the other side of the highway into oncoming traffic. And you know what she did? She walked out of that car. I mean, she has, a, she has an injured shoulder and a few fingers that are injured, but she's able to walk into the house of God today. Let me tell you, the enemy's going to try to destroy you. It may be something physical, but it may be something spiritual as well. You need to understand, as long as you have God on your side, there's nothing that's going to be able to stop you. There's nothing that's going to be able to deter you. God still has a plan for you, and God still has a destiny for you. Why don't we stand all over the building today? God's about to remove some things that's been attached to our lives. Mark chapter 16 tells us in verse number 17, some of the last words of Jesus that Mark records. He says, these signs shall follow them that believe. Not them that are preachers. Not just, you know, them that have been born into church. Not just, it says, these signs shall follow them that believe. Your word. 
is true. You can take my issue. You can take it right now. Come on, give it to him right now. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith. And when I say Jesus, I want you to shout Jesus. And then I want you to shake off whatever it is that's been latching onto you by the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus and by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We pray every chain be broken, everything be loosed. there's healing virtue about to flow if you have a need in your life why don't you just reach over and touch your neighbor right now why don't you pray for your neighbor i want you to pray in the name of jesus you don't know what they're coming against but the bible says in the name of jesus uh, we can cast out all sickness we can cast out any demon come on we bind everything that's attacking our brothers and our sisters right now we pray bitterness be removed in jesus name sickness 
sickness be removed in Jesus' name. Come on, disease, fall off in the name of Jesus. 